Officer KD 6-3.7, let's begin. Ready? Yes, sir. Recite your baseline. And blood-black nothingness began to spin. A system of cells interlinked within cells, interlinked within cells, interlinked within one stem. And dreadfully distinct against the dark, a tall white fountain played. Cells. Cells. Have you ever been in an institution? Cells. Cells. When you're not performing your duties, do they keep you in a little box? Cells. Cells. Interlinked. Interlinked. What's it like to hold the hand of someone you love? Interlinked. Interlinked. Within cells interlinked. Within cells interlinked. Dreadfully. Dreadfully. What's it like to be filled with dread? Dreadfully. Dreadfully. Do you like being separated by other people? Distinct. Distinct. Dreadfully distinct. Dreadfully distinct. Dark. Dark. Within cells interlinked. Within cells interlinked. Within one stem. Within one stem. And dreadfully distinct. And dreadfully distinct. Against the dark. Against the dark. A tall white fountain played. A tall white fountain played. (sighs) You're not even close to baseline. There we go. I mistaked a word, and I was like, please, we have to just keep going. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. You can't handle the truth. King Kong ain't got shit on me. I am the I am so much crazier. I am the one who knocks. Go ahead. Make my day. Best day we Okay, we are back from the future for a new episode of Facing Off Pod, a podcast where we take two movies that we find to be similar in some way and we compare, contrast, and rate them. Today we are doing Blade Blade Runner? What the fuck is wrong with me? We're doing Blade Flunner. We're doing Blade Runner (laughs) versus Blade Runner 2049. That's where the fl came (laughs) from. Uh, My name is Gabe, and joined with me are two replicants. Nick and Layla. What's up, guys? I think you're the replicant, dude. Dude, we're all replicants. <laughs> Are we? Deep. We're about to learn what it takes to, become, to be all? human and to be Interlinked? considered human. What's it like to hold the hand of someone you love? <laughs> Cells. Cells. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I'm really excited for this episode. Uh, we gotta, this, we're going to get into some like really heady sci-fi stuff. Uh, and we're probably going to get confused on the way through this, and then someone's going to come in and retire us, uh, because we we don't function in society. I actually expire in about sixty minutes, so we got to. <laughs> yeah, once I see your hand like crumpling up, it's going to be that. Yeah, my head. Will be um, I'll start to sweat profusely. Yeah, Nick, did you uh, make a synopsis for these two movies? Uh, these are two, I didn't, but they're, let's do it on the spot. They're, they're two movies set in the same universe. One 30 years after the other one. Uh, and in this universe, there are humans and there are replicants, which are, uh, humans that are created in a lab genetically, uh, modified slightly. And, uh, yeah, there's yeah, they're robot humans used as slaves. Are they robots? Off world. Yeah. Are they genetic? Yeah. They're robots. Are they? I mean, they're like, and oh, I guess 
like kind of i'm sure there's like some of it is like robotic but yeah i mean we do see their bones and they don't look very robotic and they have to have a special test to tell if you're they're even robot or not yeah couldn't you just like go through a metal detector if they were robots i think they're yeah that's a good point they're like genetically yeah not i i couldn't i struggled with the word they're like created in a petri dish like the snakes in the first one where he's like is that a snake and he goes no it's not a real snake think i can afford a real snake yeah, I want to talk about that later, actually, because that's a there's a good reference to that in the second one. But yeah, I mean, so like the point of these movies is there are these genetically engineered humans that are used engineered. as slaves it's off so off smart. world. Yeah, I am really smart. I'm an engineer of words um, <laughs> who are used off world as slaves. But when they start to rebel and like kind of question, you know, their reality, they are terminated by so called Blade, Blade Runners. Runners. Um, and uh yeah let's let's just talk about these movies because if you've seen them you probably you know are now listening to this and want to know what you know like you already know what the fuck happened we don't need to explain that again um <laughs> yeah Layla, that was also wanna... clear yeah <laughs> and concise <laughs> that was super confusing <laughs> um Layla, uh do you want to help us out and tell us how we rate movies and how we break them down sure we have a fabulous rating scale out of seven um four being average one just being utter and complete garbage and seven being just the best of the best within that category um what are we gonna start with sir yeah we got five categories for you guys and this time i want to start out with my favorite category that I think is very applicable to these two movies. We are going to do eye candy, uh, which is where we talk about all the visual elements. Yeah. All of the visual elements of these movies. So on a scale of one to seven, what did you think about the eye candy Nick for the first Blade Runner? Ooh, (laughs) man, you started me off on a super tough one because it ages pretty well. Honestly, and pardon Layla and I, who both have, like, head colds or whatever's happening to you, Layla. Yeah. But not COVID. I have, I have a head cold. It's not COVID. <laughs> I shoved the thing up my nose. They told me it's not COVID. <laughs> um, it's, <laughs> it's tough because it doesn't age. Like, there are parts of it that age really well. So uh, the, a lot of the shots of the city, um, of the, like, you know, buildings while they're playing, like, crescendoing music. That all looks pretty, like holds up pretty well. Uh, I do think that some of the like, some of the costuming is not like my favorite, like the most original thing ever. I don't really like love some of the way that like the characters dress and look. Isn't mm-hmm. like, like who? Um, like Rachel's uh, Rachel's funky outfit with the big old shoulders oh, is just it. distracting. It's the eighties. I don't like it. It's the eighties. Yeah. yeah, it's all. It's so that eighties. Yeah, she aesthetic. even has a perm in oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the oh, yeah. it's the like that eighties sci-fi fusion look just doesn't like super doesn't do gel it, with it, me. Do it, for you? it doesn't do it for me. <laughs> I still gave it a six in this category because it. I mean, it's still like a stunning movie, particularly for the time it came out. It doesn't fully like do it for me in a in a seven sort of way what about you Layla are you similar yeah I gave it a six um I think the only reason it can't be a seven is just because we're comparing it to like what visual greatness is so like I can't give it a seven but at the time it was like it was a huge deal visually like it's some of the best Mm. set design to this day that people talk about um production and set design just unreal 
I mean, it's just true and true sci-fi imagination come to life visually, and some of the best parts of this movie are just it's just like visually what you're seeing. Like I'll talk about um, the plot later on and stuff, but like I think when you come out of this movie, for me, my favorite part of it is the visuals. So I feel like I have to give it a high score. So I'm gonna go with the six. Yeah, at the time it came out in 1982, I mean, this was like a revolutionary movie in terms of the way it looked. There are a lot of, I mean, obviously we'd seen um, A New Hope before that. Well, us yeah. personally, we hadn't seen it. We weren't alive. No, we were, we're but uh, A New Hope came before it, and there were some other sci-fi things like 2001 A Space Odyssey before it that were incredible visually and had good production design. But this was just like, it wasn't just that it was like great set designs it was also like he it was like the first time we saw cyberpunk in a movie and visualizing cyberpunk and that's like still popular to this day and the movie was supposed to be noir as well oh yeah or it was like neo-noir because it was the future um so and and jordan cronenweth the guy who did the cinematography is like a legend for doing this and his son is actually the guy who does most of david fincher's movies jeff cronenweth um and, I mean, the practical lighting and the framing that he does is just, like, unbelievable in a lot of scenes. Uh, it's, I think, like, some of it ages poorly. Like, when you put computers in a movie, it's just going to age poorly. And, like, a lot of the, like, computers just look so old now um, that maybe they should have gotten, like, a little more clever with that. Um but I mean, like, as you said, like Ridley Scott has always been so good at production design. It's, it's like maybe the best yeah. thing about his movies, <laughs> um, even where like story may fall off. Um, wh- okay. One thing that actually really, really aged poorly is the way that gunshots work in this. Like when someone gets shot, it just looks so ridiculous and they like explode and like move to the side and it goes in <laughs> slow-mo. It just looks corny. So I'm going to give it a six out of seven, but obviously like it, if we were rating this in the 80s, I'd be like, fucking oh, 10 yeah. out of 7. I mean, if it was yeah. 1982, I would be like, dude, those shoulder pads are, f- what do they say back then? Fly? <laughs> <laughs> what did they say? The tits? I don't know. No. My mom said the tits. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and she's old as dirt. Can you ask her real quick? I know she's in there somewhere. She's not in there. I'm in her office. She's at home. I don't. I wouldn't have her here as I'm recording this. Um, but anyways, I, all right. So we all gave it a six out of seven. So almost I perfect. Don't want to do this anymore if she's Let's, not listening. <laughs> she'll listen. She's just not listening like in real time. Let's talk about Blade Runner 2049. Uh, I'll let you guys talk before I do because I'm going to just go nuts in this section. So get it out. All right, I watched it on an iPad in a plane. Oh, God. Trash. So I'm sorry. I'll rewatch it again on a better... Denis Villeneuve literally came out today and was just, like, so fucking upset that Dune is going to be on TV. (laughs) I know what he said. I thought you were going to say he came out today and, like, yelled about Nick watching it on his iPad. Yeah, he (laughs) personally was, like... He felt it. Every time someone watches Blade Runner 2049 on an iPad in a... (laughs) In an airplane, he like, he like has Dude. a little spasm. <laughs> <laughs> Curses. Yeah. Uh, even in a plane on an iPad, uh, I'm gonna give it a seven because uh, it was fantastic to uh, feast my eyes on. It was a feast for my eyes, and I liked it. That's um, <laughs> okay. That's real eye candy. And Layla, I'm assuming the same. Yeah, I mean, there's 
no question. This is one of the most visually stunning films of all time. I mean, it's, it's, it's not even just like, it's not just like perfecting the art of visuals in a film. It's exceeding that it's innovative. It changes the game when it comes to visuals in film. Like there are just some shots in this movie that like could just bring me to tears just through the shot alone. Like it is, it's, unreal beautiful like it's if you ever needed a film to show someone how powerful visuals can be this is it and (laughs) um Gabe's just like celebrating in the background um yeah I put my my hands in the air in the air uh yeah I don't really have a whole lot more to say because I know Gabe is gonna like cover the technicality of it all but it just there is just something magical about what Denis can do and what he's going to do and his work. And God, I can't wait for Dune. Um, but Oh my God. It's uh, it's, it's remarkable. I, if I could give this a higher score, I simply would, because it's, again, it's not even just that it like, it's, it's gonna, it changes the game entirely. And I expect film to try to reach this level when it comes to visuals. So seven. Honestly, I'm like almost mad I gave any movie that I we know, did before yeah. this movie a seven because it just <laughs> diminishes like how perfect this movie is visually. I was very lucky to see it in theaters when it came out, and uh, we'll talk about it later. But it was like a big box office bomb, and I just feel bad for anyone who didn't get to hear this yeah. movie and then <laughs> visualize. Or, or see the visuals that Roger Deakins did. I mean, Roger Deakins is like now widely considered the best or one of the best cinematographers of all time. And he had been nominated 13 times before this. And he finally won an Academy Deakins. Award for this movie. And people are like, he like finally made it to a point where it was like, okay, we have no yeah, argument against this guy. Like, <laughs> this is perfect. I think every, it's not even just like how beautiful it is. And I agree with Layla that it almost moves me to tears. It's that every visual detail of this movie is so fucking important that you can't really miss anything that's in it. Um, Even something as simple as like a boiling pot of garlic at the beginning. And then just like snowfall in LA. Uh, Like there, every single thing is such a choice. Um, If you don't watch every scene, some people may think that there's like a color tone to this. They may only remember the orange scenes that are in Vegas, even though those are fucking unbelievably stunning. Um, there's a whole palette. Honestly, there's the a color palette throughout the oh, whole movie. Oh, so many. Pa- yeah. yeah, and I was like talking to my mom about that last night, and she was like, oh, I, I honestly don't like that it's orange. I was like, that's literally like 20 minutes of yeah. the movie. The other parts of the movie that are like, what about when they're in the office together when he's with Robin Wright? And it's just like the most bright, crisp, like you could see the details on their faces to show like, you know, like how similar a replicant is to a yeah. human. There's like everything that's shot in Wallace's company, like in that like pyramid is so gorgeous. Like the way he totally. Deacons uses the like water reflections on the walls is just like unbelievable. Like why don't people do pool reflections more often? Seriously. I mean, I can go, I can go on and on. But another thing that I love about this, I'm like a very anti CGI person, unless it's done right. Like Denis Villeneuve, and David Fincher are the best that have ever used CGI. And there are some things that Denis does in, in this with Deakins and whoever does the like visual editing that is just like, I don't even fully comprehend it. So apparently the threesome scene with the, 
with uh, Ana de Armas and Mackenzie Davis where they're sinking was just like super revolutionary CGI that no one had done before. And it's like unbelievable when you're watching it. Like I don't even, I, my brain can't even comprehend how they do that. Um, he does like, he plays with like flashing technology. Like when Ana de Armas, when he crashes in that like dump, for, which first of all looks incredible. <laughs> and then when he crashes and then Ana de Armas is like flashing outside and then when he does the the fight and there's like the Elvis and like Marilyn uh, Monroe in the background and like, it's just unbelievable. I could literally talk for fucking days about how good this is visually. And you could go on YouTube and there's a bunch of it. And clearly a lot of money went into it because somehow WB, Sony and Columbia Pictures all linked up to make this movie together, which I don't know if I've ever seen before. So anyways, it's 7 out of 7. I would give it way higher. And honestly, every movie I gave a 7 before ain't shit. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> we have to retroactively knock apparently, down Apparently, apparently. Right Dude, honestly, we might have to. Uh, let's move on and talk about originality, mm. uh, which I think is very important for both of these uh, and probably the biggest argument for this. Uh, uh, originality is where you talk about how creative and unique. Every time I do that, it's like now it's not going to be an interesting <laughs> conversation. But... Um, <laughs> originality is where we talk about how creative the movies were, how unique they are, and like whether they needed to be made, especially if they're based off of source material or a previous movie. Uh, I think Layla should well, start. Oh, God damn it. I literally was sitting here as you said, like, oh, this is the best argument to be made. And I'm like, I have no idea why it's the best argument to be made. I mean, I could start, unless, Nick, you want to go. I was going to say we start with Blade Runner and then move on to 2049 just to like get the distinction. Okay. Okay, right. if we're going to do it that way, I'm okay with it. <laughs> okay. Because you weren't Go before. ahead. <laughs> I thought we were going to start with the, the newer one first, and I was like, okay. I got to hear... Uh, I We need to discuss the originality of, of 2049. Okay. But the originality of the first one I don't think is disputable. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it takes from... Um, Oh my God! Why is it blanking? What? Uh, Philip K. Dick's do Android's dream, do of, Android's electric dream of electric sheep. Do Android's dream of electric sheep. A short story. I'll always remember it. It's a short story. It deviates pretty heavily Coolest from name ever. from that. Is it is a, a cool very name? Cool name. Um, Good question too. So it deviates from that short story um, that I'm for sure going to read this weekend because I put it on my to do <laughs> list. So I'm super curious about it. Um, Should have done it before this, but you know, hey, this is this was a busy. Uh, busy one. I uh, I don't think it's disputable that it's. I, I I would give it. It's no less than a six to me. I think it comes pretty close to a seven, but I have my like rule about um not giving a seven if it if it is based on something else. But it comes pretty close, and like a lot of the ideas we'll talk about it in Legacy or like this isn't the first movie. Or, you know, piece of uh, entertainment ever to, to to discuss whether or not uh, artificial intelligence, you know, can have a soul or start to, you know, have its own consciousness. But it, in like the pantheon of those types of movies, it's at the like the very top tier, right? Those ideas yeah. are are you know hashed out in this movie in a way that they are not in other movies. Um. And I mean, beyond that, you look at the set design and all of those different, you know, characteristics of, of the way that the movie looks. Um, 
So I, I give it no less than a six. I could I could bump it up to a seven if someone sways me. So I this is like one of my favorite movies to discuss, Blade Runner, and because I've had such an issue with it for so long. And like I reckon so here's the positive things. We wouldn't have a lot of sci-fi that we have today without Blade Runner. That's just a fact. We wouldn't have Ex Machina. We wouldn't have Blade Runner 2049. We wouldn't have Artificial Intelligence by Spielberg. Like, there's so much, not even that just came from that short story or, like, other things, but just Blade Runner, just in set design and the ideas and everything that it has. And it always deserves respect for that, and I'm going to give it credit for that and legacy. I think this is, like, the ultimate, like, ideas versus execution of those ideas movie for me because most of what is executed so like the ideas of like mortality and fear of death and like how that is really what defines what a human is um and and the like what our purpose is on earth there's there's like a, a million ideas to explore in this movie um and they're things that like i can't stop thinking about but when I like watch this movie, I'm never shocked of, at the ideas when they're presented. Nothing about, I'm not watching a scene and they present one of those ideas and I'm like, oh, fuck. Like when I watch The Matrix and they start, t- like when they first show the like how they're breeding the humans or whatever, I'm like, I fall into an existential panic. Like I literally start sweating and I have to like drink something. It, it, this movie <laughs> doesn't do that to me. And... I Make think it so appealing the problem to do that to you. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I do think that movies should elicit emotion, but like, yeah, maybe not send you into like a spiraling dread. Um, but to, Ridley Scott is really good at presenting ideas and then not really fucking fully expanding on them. He just puts them into his movie and then doesn't really fully explore the whole part, the whole thing for it. And then you're kind of are like, ah. Eh, there was probably more to that. And I think it's great because he allowed other people to do that. Like people have expanded upon this movie perfectly, but I have like a couple questions and I always like put these in originality whenever I have a question from, uh, from a movie. So I know the, the audience is supposed to like question whether a replicant is a human or not. And like the way to do that is by having that like comp test. I forget what it's called in the first one. Um, but it's as simple as when you watch the movie, it's as simple as just seeing that glare in their eyes to know that they're a replicant and there's like a focus on it. And if the, if that's not the difference between them, why does he fucking show every replicant having that glowing, like orange thing in their eyes? Cause I'd be like, Oh, replicant. <laughs> like they, we don't need to do this fucking test. Um, I also, I, uh, yeah. I audibly, my mom and I both laughed really hard out loud when it started out with Los Angeles 2019. (laughs) I was like, dude, put this at least like 200 (laughs) years beyond where you're at. Like, it's going to get proven wrong. Um, Anyways, it's still six out of seven. (laughs) I just like, I have a lot of issues with, I just don't think, I think things have just gotten better and expanded upon the like, the revolutionary ideas that are in this are just not fully fleshed out. That's it. Layla, sorry. I talked. Uh, I would agree with that though, but le- go ahead, Layla. Um, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a six. Cause I do think that like the, the, the way in which they used, 
you know, set design visuals. Um, and I think we should acknowledge the score as well, because the score is like to this day an incredibly, so incredibly good. one. It, it, a lot of people would argue that it's in like some like top scores of all time. Like it was. Yeah. It was Vangelis. Very revolutionary at the time. It created an insane tone throughout the entire movie, and um, I just think a lot of the the usage of all of those things is really original in this movie. But um, and I don't disagree with what you're saying. I do think that this film has, like, as you said earlier, like this neo noir, and I, I think it also kind of alludes to a lot of what sci-fi does where it is really subtle in its storytelling like its storytelling is never outright and you're supposed to kind of just like allude to the concepts and then you're supposed to interpret them yourself like sci-fi is never just like in your face um Mm -hmm. and i think this movie does that to like the greatest extent like they just really don't do like any explaining it's really just up to interpretation of like the moments between people and what they're saying so i just think it's really subtle but I mean, I mostly agree with you, Gabe. So I'm I'm just going to give it a six. I think it's incredibly original. I think it created and set the standard for the genre and the concept. I kept thinking while I was watching this movie that we could have honestly compared iRobot to this movie because I feel like iRobot oh, yeah. is like yeah. just like a modern day version of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, Except for those robots are like really easy to tell that they're yeah, robots. Yeah, you don't have to look at the yeah. game in their eyes. Um but <laughs> or do it atta- like no they literally just look like robots there's no humanality yeah to them. Uh, uh anyways i don't think that's a word no uh, no it's not <laughs> no but I, whatever we what make up your, words what all was the time. your rating there game i gave it a six out of seven six okay yeah i and I, honestly i really do think that the final cut like brings in better ideas than the theatrical cut like you don't get that dream of the unicorn in the in the theatrical yeah. version and i think that's really important to deciphering whether Deckard is a replicant or not and I know Ridley Scott came out afterwards and was like he is a replicant but it's like bitch you didn't make that that clear so we get to argue that (laughs) even though he's the one who created it um anyways let's talk about Blade Runner 2049 originality I do agree that it's difficult to decipher but I'm kind of curious what you guys think first so let's start with Layla um I'm trying to give you a like a platform because I keep talking for a while. I know. I just love. I love. I love when you talk, Abe. Um, I thank you. I don't actually know what score I'm going to give this yet. I I think that like this. I think this version or like this you know this sequel did what the other one didn't do in so many ways, and it just excels in the ways that the first one didn't excel. I think it does a much better job of storytelling and a much better job of like all categories really like the score in this movie is beautiful the set design the eye candy is exponentially better i mean obviously it's a different time but i just think they took the concept and they did what we all wanted to happen from this concept like they it's just the best version of it um so i just i guess i don't really know how to rate this because it is all based off of a film that already existed and a storyline that already existed. I just think that they did it way better. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. I, I actually, I, I love that um, answer because like, that's kind of ultimately what like really allows this to survive like in originality and in the way that we talk about originality on this podcast, because like, <clears throat> sure. Yeah. It is based on something else, but it, it's like, 
that ultimate question that we ask of like, did this need to be made? I say fuck yeah, because I think it added to everything in the first movie really well. And I know that it might have some detractors in that way. I did read like a really good review that kind of talks about why it's original on its own. And it said, when we watch Blade Runner 2049, we watch Hampton Fancher and Michael Green's new screenplay, Villeneuve's piercing originality and nothing of Scott's earlier film. In other words, it is less of a pretender or a nostalgia vehicle and its authenticity as far as sequels go is unparalleled. And I do, I mean, like, I I mostly agree with that. I do think, like, obviously, like, he takes literal scenes from the first one and inserts them in there. But it's never done to just, like, be on the shoulders of the first movie, you know? It's actually just, like, questioning certain things in the first movie while respecting it. And... I just think, like, I, I think it would a lot of people have issues with, and it's kind of the reason why I love this movie. It's, like, to use what they say in that Nabokov thing, like, it's dreadfully distinct. Like, this movie is so insanely dark compared to the average blockbuster that I just, I cannot name another, a darker one, because the only, you know, light part of this movie is everything with Dr. Stalin. Um, the mirror because she like she's like so like she's so pure of heart she like gives she understands that to be a replicant is the most depressing thing ever and she gives them happy memories because their lives are so hard like that's like the only that's like the pinnacle of this movie in terms of happiness Um, I mean there's even a line that like Ryan Gosling like Mackenzie Davis says to him like oh you literally don't smile like he his life makes me so incredibly depressed, but it's so like this movie's so rich it, where the first one where I was like talking about how it's like ideas versus execution and it has these ideas and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's interesting. This one is like, it presents ideas and I'm like, Oh my God, I can't stop thinking about this for the rest of today. Totally. There's, there's so much in it. Um, I, I just, uh, I don't know. I also think that when it does use the first movie, it references it in like a beautiful way. It's like clearly from such a fan of the first movie, which is why like Denis Villeneuve is so respected because whereas like someone like JJ Abrams for star Wars may literally just copy shit from star Wars. Cause he's a fanboy. Denis like, I'm going to take these things cause I'm such a fan and I'm going to turn them into my own thing. And, and, It'll be like a simple, there's one good, like there's a reference in this that I love that Nick was alluding to at the beginning when, uh, when Ryan Gosling's K character asked Harrison Ford if the dog is real and then Harrison Ford's response is, I don't know, why don't you ask him? (laughs) Because he asked like three times in the first movie whether an animal is real. Like he just doesn't fucking get it. Anyways, there's also like way too much to talk about with this movie and originality, but I wanted to hear what you guys had to say. And I think Layla had a point. Yeah, I just want to say something to one thing that you said. In the sense of of him like taking things from other, you know, directors and concepts and like just like, uh, yeah... I, I, I couldn't help when the um, sinking sex scene happened. Like, I couldn't help but think about her the whole time. And Oh, the movie her. Yeah. yeah. In, like, a way where I was like, this is almost the exact same thing, and I don't, like, love that. Like, it didn't feel like its own thing to yeah. me, and it did really feel like that was just plucked right out of that movie and thrown into that scene. 
like even her like concept, mm. like the Ana de Armas's like you know projection was already kind of pushing it into that whole concept. But then like doing that literal scene, which is what they do in her, just felt like a lot. So that kind of takes down the originality a little bit for me. What were your I, ratings? Did you guys? Oh, did I have not ratings? given it a rating. I'm actually <laughs> okay. I, I'm okay. gonna give it. A, I'm like, I think I'm paying attention. <laughs> I actually, I wanted to, be, Nick, before you go, I wanted to say just on that thing, Denis Villeneuve explained the purpose of that scene, um, and I loved it. I don't think it it counteracts your her argument. I think that's like very valid. It is almost the same exact scene, and it almost feels random. And actually, when I first saw this movie, I was like, yeah, I didn't need that scene. Yeah. But he says. <laughs> You have a man who's being touched by a woman for the first time. You have a hologram that feels she can be real for the first time. And you have a prostitute who's, been, who's being kissed by a man with love for the first time. And she's not sure how to deal with that. And the way that he syncs that all together is actually kind of cool. Like, that's a great idea. I still also kind of agree <laughs> with you. But anyways, I gave it a six, by, uh, by the way, Nick. I'm, I'm going to do the same as Blade Runner. I'll do a six I can't as say well. Okay, my turn. I'm going to give it a five. Okay. Controversy. It's really not. It's above (laughs) average. (laughs) But I think that, like, yes, this movie, the reason that it's above average, start with that, is it is, it takes all of those ideas that are hatched in Blade Runner, the, like, can AI have a personality can they have a soul is really a question in this one, like even more so than it is in the first one. It takes all of those questions. And like you, the, the reason why it's so dark is because that is a, that a, a makes you have to question your own humanity and then kind of realize that like humanity is not a, a very rosy uh, concept. So you're, you're kind of, made in this movie to explore something a lot deeper than the first one allows you to to explore. They're they're kind of I, I have issues with the first Blade Runner, not in any of the categories we've talked about yet, but it's just um there's like a flaw to it that I can't get past and I think that that flaw is that those those uh concepts are they're they're not like deep enough for me, I, I think, mm. and it's it's partly because I, I think a big thing is that they they limit the replicants to that four year lifespan, so they know that there's like a difference there. In this one, there in in, in twenty forty nine, there's no real difference between Ryan Gosling, the replicant, and anybody else in the movie, except for that he can't what he can't disobey, but then he can once he realizes what he is. Well, they may, they try to make him not. They they can't stop him from doing any of those things, but they have to test whether he is detaching himself from replicants and becoming more human with that baseline test, and then they will retire him if he fails that. So there, and that's why he freaks out in that scene when he realizes that he may actually be that miracle. He has yeah. that like iconic Ryan Gosling shout. Yeah, he's like, God damn it. Um, he is like so fucking upset because he like how are you supposed to contain that when you go and do that baseline test? They're gonna fucking kill him. Yeah, and the whole point of 
I mean, not the whole point of both of these, but like the, that fear of death is what makes mm-hmm. them real beings. I just think that the idea that they delve further into like where the memories that are given to these replicants come from is yeah. another like huge part of of the of twenty forty nine that I really enjoy and and like to delve into, and all of those things are really original and unique. I think it pays. I think a Ana de Armas's character is is odd to me, like totally. Like I tried it to like that part of the movie. But I, I like really like what she's giving. I, I honestly like a lot of the writing for her character. I just don't know why. I know why the character's in there. But I just don't really like that dynamic that much between her and, and Ryan Gosling's character. It doesn't seem like an original idea to me. And it's sort of uh, like not the best part of the movie. And all of those like paying homage to the first one... They're a little like on the nose, I think. Yeah, and it, it just like kind of bothered me going back and rewatching the first one and being like, "Oh yeah, they just did that again." Like a lot like of the, literal like, dialogue, like stuff, literal yeah. dialogue, literally the same like kind of funky tech like bits that they do are the same. Like the little ant, they like bring back little bits of technology in a lot of the same way that like. It's not as on the nose as, like you said, like J.J. Abrams would bring something back and be like, look, yeah. check this out. But like bringing back the little like thing that analyzes where the wood came from, where in the first one they use it to analyze where the fish scale came from or the snake scale. Oh, yeah. Like, all those little things are like, oh, yeah, you, yep, this is a Blade Runner movie. It almost <laughs> could have been its own separate movie. But, you know, it just wasn't. And it, you know, those like hearkening back to the first one. It didn't seem like super necessary, but maybe it's because I'm not a Blade Runner super fan. I don't know. Yeah, me neither. I I will say for the Ana de Armas thing, just that like I agree with you. I I it's not original in itself, but I do like the idea that he added an extra layer to humanity. Like what what is humanity when you're talking about artificial intelligence? And it's this one is like literally without a body and like what that is supposed to mean. And there's that line by Mackenzie Davis and she's like, by the way, I've been inside you and there's not much there. <laughs> yeah, the ones and uh, zeros. Yeah. I just, yeah, it ends up being like. It's almost too much outside of it. But. It is. It's just too much on top of all of the other stuff that's happening and it gets overshadowed. And then it's like, it, there's like a. Aren't there like a billion Ana de Armas's out there just owned yeah, by that like scene sad, is lonely guys? Fucking devastating. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you look like a, a real Joe or whatever. Anyway, so let's let's move yeah. on to the next category. I think. Right. Uh, let's talk about. Wait, wait. You gave it a five, Nick, and you yes. gave it a six, Layla. Yeah. And I gave it a six. Okay. Uh, let's talk about spectacularity, the engagement level of these movies. Um, and you know how interested we were in the plots, or if we, or if it kind of meandered and we weren't uh, as engaged. Um, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, super long movie. It's two hours and forty four minutes. I will say though that it felt shorter than Blade Runner one, and I've just always felt like kind of bored with Blade Runner one. So I'll talk about that in a second, <laughs> but. 
where I, I do feel how long Blade Runner 2049 is, and it is a slog to rewatch it. There's just so much going on in it. And as I said earlier, there's so much to chew on that I think that it keeps your attention. Certainly did in theaters. I will say this was like, a, it was a lot better in theaters because there's nothing, you can't like be on your phone and stuff. Um you know, take a drink every time I say Denis Villeneuve is a genius, but Denis Villeneuve is a fucking genius. And the way that he set expectations for this movie was like incredible. I remember the first trailer came out. It was nuts. This is one of the most, like Blade Runner is one of the most beloved, uh, fucking, uh, I don't know why I say beloved, like, like, a uh, like a dearly beloved. (laughs) Um, but anyways, uh, it's one of the most beloved movies. Um, especially in sci-fi. So when he was making a sequel to it, it was like obviously super intriguing. And this was kind of like a big up and coming director. He even made trailers that were ambiguous, whereas you weren't supposed to know whether Kay was a replicant. If you see the trailer, you would have no idea, but it's funny. Cause when you watch the movie, they let you know he's a replicant in like the first scene. Um, but, uh, I, you know, it's obviously not engaging for everyone. I, I would never be like mad at someone that would be like a little bored by it and like I was just be. like, ah, it's not really for Get me. I just would be like, that's so like you're diminishing like all the like uh like little moments of this are so incredible that like you just like you can't say as a whole the movie is not interesting because there's just so much to it. Uh I also think like it's not necessarily that slow of a movie. There are a lot of big action movies and the action or action scenes and the action scenes are fucking awesome. Like the Elvis fight is so cool in the way that it's set up and the way the music works in it and like how it's, it's like jarringly loud. Um, and Harrison Ford accidentally punched Ryan Gosling in the face when they filmed it. Um, the scenes with love, the like henchwoman for, uh, for, uh, Wallace, are fucking sick. She is yeah. like horrifying. Uh, the whole scene where she's like drone striking those people in the dump while getting a manicure is fucking sick. Um, there's just like a lot that is like so fun about this movie. I, th- we talked about it earlier and we did it in the intro, but the baseline test is so cool. Like I remember watching that the first time in theaters and I was like, what the fuck is this? I don't even think I get it. Um, but it's just so fun to watch. Uh, and again, I just like Layla, I know you're going to talk about this, but Hans Zimmer is just incredible at making score movie scores. You know, what's crazy. He's been nominated, uh, like 14, you know, 11 times. And he's only won once and it was for Lion King yeah. and no one remembers Lion King for it's like score. They remember the like songs in Lion King, which are different, but, uh, he kills it cause he does Vangelis's score from the original Blade Runner and then also turns it into Hans Zimmer. And for a guy that's been making scores for movies since the, since the, but I'm saying he makes it into his own thing as well. For a guy who's making, who's been making scores since the seventies, he's got to be the only composer that is just like adapted to technology. Like he, he infuses like electronic music into it. I mean, out of the old guys, like John John Williams would never put like dubstepy <laughs> scores. In, That's okay. I don't need John movie. Williams to do that. Yeah, or oh, Lawrence Shore or whatever. Yeah, so I, I, I do it now. It, it's it's weird because like objectively, I want to give this movie like a f- I want to bring it down, and give it a five. But I I'm just so fascinated <laughs> by it that it's a six out of seven for me. 
This is like an easy six for me. <laughs> oh, fucking yeah. six. <laughs> this is absolutely a six. This is maybe the only movie ever that I think it's acceptable for it to be two hours and 45 minutes. Like, I... Yes. It should be... There's not anything I would really cut out of this movie. I'm sure there's, like, random bits that I would be fine with them cutting out, but I'm okay with it being there, too, which is really a testament to this movie because I am the first person to shit on a movie that's too long. (laughs) Um, It's just truly, truly engaging. And the testament to it being as engaging as it is, it's, like in the quiet moments it's engaging like even just when it's a shot and you're just staring at it and nothing's happening i'm just as engaged as i am when an action sequence is happening it's it's so powerful in the quiet moments and that's why it's so magical and that's why it keeps you so engaged throughout the whole thing because it just seamlessly moves between quiet and and like powerful moments um yes the score is remarkable i think hans did just the perfect job like to, like he he knew what his role was to take something that existed that was already remarkable and to make it his own and he did and it's perfect um it creates such an insane tone such a dark and ominous tone throughout this movie i very much disagree about anna de armas's character um i think this movie Ooh. is incredibly dark and incredibly hard because it it makes us think about some of the hardest things about being human. And I think her and his relationship is a reprieve from that. And I needed that in the movie. So I'm really happy that they put it in there. I think it's important to reflect on our human side and our desire for companionship and love and, and what that does for us and how it completes us in a lot of ways, whether it's romantic or not. And he found companionship in her. And I think, when you find out that she's like a simulation that like people can get or whatever men can get, I just think it's again, a testament to like human nature, our need for companionship and for someone to love and for someone to be with. And I think it's an important reflection throughout the movie. And I think Anna is just, you know, miraculous and I'll talk more about her and acting, but I think, I think every person and every moment, no matter what their purpose was, does an incredible job and it's important. And I think that the way that they, you know, relay, you know, the concepts of human nature are perfect. So I, I, I was honestly almost at a seven, but I'm just not going to because mm. it's, I, I don't know. I'm going to go with a six. <laughs> yeah, I feel you on that. <laughs> I also gave it a six. I'm oh. really glad I watched it in a plane <laughs> on an iPad because I, uh, it had my undivided attention for two hours and 45 minutes. There was nothing really to distract me. Uh, and I really loved that about it. Also, I had to listen to it in headphones. Um, and it just sounds wild. Do you know that, that like, motorcycle-y sound in the score? That's a, the sound of a men's choir put through a filter, like, 9,000 times until it sounds like a mechanical noise. That's fucking so, so There's like cool. a bunch of different things like that in the the score where they're like taking human sounds and making them mechanical, which is cool. Uh, it's fun part for the movie. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And I really, I mean, I just really enjoyed watching this movie. I really enjoyed um, all throughout the the film. I mean, there are parts that drag for sure, but y- I just enjoyed you know, experiencing this really dark, dismal world and, like, learning 
more about what Ryan Gosling is and and kind of watching Kay understand the world around him more and and start to like understand his own humanity really and what his own soul is is just really a comp- the most compelling part of the movie to me. Ryan Gosling is um the man. It's so wild that he like knows who he is and what the limits of that are and people make comments about people or other replicants make comments about that to him throughout the movie and he has to be like yeah so <laughs> like <laughs> yeah like and he does it so well and he i agree that like he's what carries uh, a lot of attention throughout it and i can't imagine it without like him doing that role like the only other person i can see doing that with that much expression is like jake gyllenhaal um totally. but it would be way different he could do anything except shower <laughs> yeah agreed let's talk about blade the original blade runner spectacularity um fuck dude this is like i i i respect <laughs> this movie this is like where i really have to like draw the line because like whenever people are like blade runner one of the best movies ever made i'm just like yeah but like it's is it hard, interesting it's though not it's a hard three in this category for me <laughs> oh, dude please explain because i i agree <laughs> i've seen it twice um, and the first time I thought that I wasn't paying close enough attention to it and it was not appealing because I wasn't in like the mindset to watch a, a really heady movie like this. It turns out I just don't really like the watching this movie that much. Like it's just not that entertaining of a movie to me. And I don't, I can't pinpoint exactly why, like Harrison Ford is compelling. I think the ideas are compelling. Uh, I just, I just don't like watching it unfold. And like, really, if you boil down the actual plot of the movie, I feel like it's pretty simple. Yes, it's very simple. But then the rest of the movie is like not simple, and it just, it, it just, I, it's super hard for me to to explain why it's a like it doesn't work like hardly at all for me. But I, I just don't really feel compelled to rewatch this movie ever again. Like I get it, um, <laughs> it's just not it's not spectacular to me to watch, to think about. Yes, totally, we can talk about that all day long. But I just don't want to watch it anymore. I don't know why. Someone else helped me put it into words. My brain. I mean, is no, I, I'm like the same. It's kind of just like the movie looks great. And it brings up these ideas. And I like these ideas. But I don't think there's like a million ideas brought up. Like Blade Runner 2049, there's like constantly something brought up. And I'm like, oh, fuck. That's like There's like three or four twists in that movie, too. Yeah, there's no exactly. twist in, in Blade Runner. Yeah, and you know what the issue with this movie is? It just kind of meanders. There's a lot to this movie where I'm like, there's scenes between him and Rachel where I'm like, first of all, don't I've never thought the connection was there, even if they just like throw it in in the end. In yeah. fact, he low key straight up he he low key rapes her, oh my and God. it's not. And I'm sorry to laugh about that, but it's like a very uncomfortable scene. And I've read people like interpret that scene as like he needs he's questioning what he's doing, and he needs to believe that she is capable of love. But yeah, it doesn't make it any more comfortable to watch to know that. And it's just there are also. Even if they were in love, I would be so disinterested in their love as opposed to the Hanna de Armas and Ryan Gosling one. And I don't know what that is. 
I think that there's like supposed to be like a malaise of modernity. Like they talk about that throughout the movie, but it's just like impossible for me to stay interested in this. And like, yes, the score is engaging. It's iconic. It's one of the best scores ever. I do also think like the score does not fit the mood of the scene at times. And it makes me like, it's too noir. Like the scene where he is chasing after the, the snake woman and then shoots her and then the music comes in and it's like Vangelis is like score, but it's almost like jazz noir as she's dying. It just, it is <laughs> so ill-fitting. It does not work for me in that. Um, I also like one thing that pulls me out of the movie constantly is the audio quality of this movie is very bizarre. Like the ADR is really off. And for anyone who doesn't know what ADR is, it's like when you have to do voiceovers for certain scenes, alternative like, say, dispute resolution. Yeah. It's like, if you have like too much noise in a scene or whatever, like rain, is that not a hit? <laughs> no, that's not it. That's, I have no idea what it fucking stands for. That's like something from your job. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I didn't even think of the words you said. I just said yes. Um, but <laughs> yeah, like the, au- <laughs> the audio is like really bizarre. It takes me out. I also just think like the last twenty minutes of this movie are the most engaging part of it, and it takes too long to get there. And like this mm. movie needs more Roy and less everything between Deckard and Rachel. Yeah. So um, or more between Deckard and Rachel, but make it more compelling and make more. Like the connection be more there because I totally agree on that point. I also I mean, agree. Just give me scene, all of, give me all of Roy. That last scene is first of all you get Daryl Hannah and that super creepy scene where she's like f- attacking him with the gymnastics and then like freaking out when he shoots her. Like that's like a really good scene. And then you get like Rutger Hauer having like one of the most iconic monologues of all time. Yeah. And it's a really, really cool scene. And he's he's going. I when I was watching, I was like, "What the fuck is even happening here?" When he's running around the house, and I realized that he's trying to drive up the fear level in Harrison Ford, so he can prove to him this is what makes you like a human is that fear. So, anyways, I gave it a fucking one. I'm kidding. I gave it a. I gave it a four. I think it's average. Yeah, I'm giving it a. Four. But almost three. I'm going to go with four. I think there's definitely enough about this movie. Like, the the reasons that it's iconic to people, I think, are enough to keep it at an average score. Like, I'm definitely constantly engaged with, like, the set design. I'm, like, when I'm watching it, I'm just like, holy shit, that looks really cool. Or, like, whatever. Um, I really like the score. It. I just think it is, it's very 80s. I think it just works with what was happening at that time. So it makes sense when I'm watching it because it just feels like an 80s film. But I, I get your point. Um, and I think there are a lot of moments where I like look at, like, I just look around and I'm like, what is happening? But at the same time, I think I kind of enjoyed that a little bit. It worked for me. I don't know. But it's, I, I think it's just because like a lot of sci-fi movies, especially like older ones, are just like like that. Like they don't necessarily give you a lot and you're just supposed to kind of agree with what's happening. Um but obviously, now that we've seen 2049, we're like, oh shit, it could be just exponentially better. So it's really hard to like give it a higher score. Um, yeah, it's average. I don't know. The last 20 minutes is pretty damn engaging. So I can't like... For sure. I can't go like... I don't think I can go below. So I'm just going to go with a four. 
I the last twenty minutes are so engaging, but there's like this is the third time I've seen this movie because like I want to like this. I I, I respect it, and I, and like anyone you know that loves Blade Runner, I've totally understood that. There's so much about it that is spectacular. It's just like every time I watch this, I have an audible like ah. Like, can this scene fucking end? <laughs> like, there's so often throughout this movie, and that fucking sucks for something so iconic. I watch a lot of old movies. This is, like, real hard to get through. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I just didn't, I didn't want to sugarcoat it. I don't like watching this movie. A reluctant four for me. Um, let's, let's talk about actoring. I want Layla to start with this. Let's talk about the performances and then how the directors and writers like help the performances or hurt the performances. So let's stick with the original Blade Runner for actoring. Okay. Um, I'm going to give the OG a three. Uh, Whoa. Sick. Whoa. In what direction? Like I should have given it more. Yeah. I'm, I'm just surprised at a three. <laughs> um, I don't like Harrison Ford in this movie. Uh, I don't think he does a whole lot. I think his facial expressions are obnoxiously weird and don't make a whole lot of sense throughout this movie. There are a lot of moments where when he's fighting. I'm glad that wasn't just me. No, he just makes these faces and I'm like, what is that face that you're making right now? Like it just, your hair is. It's almost like they cut the scene at a weird time. Did you get that sense too? Like almost like they made a face. It's being kind. And then it was like, (laughs) yeah, it was like in response to something else. It was just, they're, they're so weird. Yeah, it's like, they, like, it's like they, edited, they edited it. They edited it really like, poorly or something because it's like he's reacting to a completely different line. Yes, like you yes, said, yeah, it's yeah. it's really it's weird. He's not a bad actor. He doesn't no. just make weird faces for no yeah, reason. That's, like, there had to be a reason for sure. Okay. And that's what I mean. He's Harrison Ford. Like it's not like I don't believe that he couldn't do better. He does a way better job in twenty forty nine. I just don't really know what's happening with him in uh, this movie. Um, I don't really like anybody else. I don't like Rachel. I don't really get what they're doing with Rachel. I don't really Wait, understand. Even Rucker Hauer? Yeah, what about Rucker Hauer? Sure. I just I just don't think I don't I just don't <laughs> think anybody's doing like I don't know. I just it's it's so whatever to me and I, that kind of ties into the writing that we were talking about and just how like odd the writing is in this movie and how they just don't give you a lot. They just don't really give I mean the monologue at the end is incredible it's incredible so like i'll give him the monologue at the end and that's pretty much it for me those memories <laughs> would be lost. it's like the way he has like almost an accent in it <laughs> yeah and, and he's like like tears in rain um yeah i the monologue is like the the thing that everyone talks about the most oh actually i forgot to say this in spectacularity <clears throat> every time i watch blade runner the og I want to sit at a cafe like that and have noodles. Every single time I watch Blade oh, Runner yeah, afterwards, yeah. I crave noodles so hard. So, I have a question about Edward James Almost's character. Um, Gaff, I think. Uh, yeah. The guy yeah. who makes origami. Yeah. Is he supposed to be Japanese? Like, is Edward James Almost doing, like, a fucking Japanese thing? Because of, like, his, like, facial hair and the fact he makes origami. And then, like, I think he's talking to someone at some point. I mean, he doesn't really say much in the movie besides... Bryant, and then uh, <laughs> later he says the thing like he says that thing like ba- I've always like I've I you know like the the por- the por- point of the unicorn thing is to like either replicants have the same type of dreams as humans do 
about things like that. Or Gaff has, I don't think its name is Gaff, but I think it's Gaff. I don't know. I'll just call him Gaff. You don't think it's Gaff? And I don't know which one Gaff? it is. Which my brain is isn't, it? my brain isn't working. I think it's Gaff, but I'm probably wrong. But Gaff, like, right. he gives him that unicorn and there's, like, you can, you, those, those people in the Blade Runner, like, task force are able to see the memories of, of replicants. And so it's implied that maybe he's seen this, like, dream or whatever, and he's letting, letting him run with Rachel. You know, like, we never, you know, maybe she won't live, but then again, do we ever, or, like, whatever his fucking line is. Uh, he's okay in it. Um, I agree mostly with, <laughs> I didn't explain any of that, okay? My brain doesn't work. Um, I'm definitely not a replicant. Uh, Harrison Ford is like half really good in certain scenes and like kind of fun. Like I love when he does that like voice with the, where he's acting like a union person uh, for actors uh, when he's talking to the snake woman and he's like, yeah, and I'm talking like that comes out of nowhere, by the way, when he does it, I'm just like, (laughs) what the fuck is happening right now? He's so creepy. I just feel like Harrison Ford is never willing to be goofy. (laughs) He always just wants to be the cool guy. So like, I kind of like that scene. Um, obviously I think, I think Rucker Hauer and Daryl Hannah are really good because there's something inhuman to them, but then you actually find out that Rucker Hauer is like technically like the hero of this story, the person that you're supposed to like believe in the most. I just like, like we don't get them really. We don't get scenes of them until late and they're probably not in that much of this movie if you really broke it down. Um, and that's unfortunate. Also in terms of the actor who plays him, like, why would they ever cast that guy to play Leon? Like, why would you ever make a replicant that's as ugly as Leon is? He looks like fucking, like, Harland Williams. One of the funniest comedians, but, like, not a great-looking dude. Sorry, Harland, if you're listening. Um, come on the pod, Harland. Uh, <laughs> After that warm welcome. <laughs> you're ugly. That, join us on our podcast. Join us. Uh, I think a lot of people talk about when you rewatch this movie that sean young does like a lot like does really good acting and very in a very subdued performance i just like she's so like not interesting to me in this and i can't help but think that maybe that's the writing and i think maybe it's that forced chemistry and i agree with layla i don't really think that there's a lot of good dialogue in this movie the back and forths are not really that engaging even between him and his like police chief um so I, I don't know. Like I'm almost at. I think I'm going to give it a four because I, I really do think it's just average for the time. Fair actoring. And Nick. <sighs> Layla doesn't agree. <laughs> I mean, I'm barely off from her. I just That's think what Layla's like, face says. I'm, I'm she goes, translating hmm. for Layla. That was pretty stupid. Facial <laughs> expressions. <laughs> uh, you're wrong. You fucking. Did you like the acting, Nick, or? I'm conflicted. I will say that Harrison Ford is pretty good at acting uh, inebriated in this movie. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of scenes where he's had, like, a bunch of whiskey, and, like, they don't show him drinking a bunch of whiskey, but his voice changes, and he's all slurry. Uh, I, I So, um, reading through the, the trivia in IMDb, uh, Harrison Ford's performance was well liked. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I believe that Upsetting. Philip Dick watched watched the movie and said, "That's that's my guy. I wrote that guy." By the way, it's not a short story, Gabe. It's a novel. 
Oh, my mom called it a short story. I just listened to her. <laughs> Maybe your mom just a really fast reader. She is, actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, and Hauer and <laughs> is, is great. Like, really yeah. good. He also just looks like... Oh, he's perfectly casted. He look. just looks like he's not a human. Uh, with that hair. And just, he's so sweaty. <laughs> so sweaty. So freaking sweaty. I have trouble beyond those two. I like Harrison Ford in the movie. Okay. He's probably like the only part of the movie that I like. Like, which I'm really sorry, Layla, to disagree with you. But don't be beyond them. <laughs> I agree that Sean Young is not giving me what I needed, uh, especially after like what a focal point she is. Because I watched 2049 first this time. Mm. And then watched Blade Runner, and I was like, man, she really is like a focus. Like, I don't remember her being that big a deal in the first one. And then I was like, oh, she really isn't that big a deal. She's not really giving, like, this great performance. So I'm just going to settle in the middle at a four, but it, it is <coughs> close to below average because there's not, like, I don't know. It, it, the, the writing and the directing of the movie clearly have, like, a direction that they chose and i don't necessarily agree with it particularly the writing part but you know i I don't i don't think it i'm gonna knock it below average i already gave the below average score before i just don't think that 80s and like 70s sci-fi movies ever really had that good of acting like i don't think there's a lot of good acting in star wars sorry what old ben what do you mean old ben (laughs) but i was going to go to the tashi station and pick up power converters um, all right, let's talk about uh, Blade Runner 2049. I just oh. want to gush about fucking Ryan Gosling because he's just he's so underappreciated. I know everyone loves Ryan Gosling, but I think he's underappreciated in terms of like acclaim and stuff. Like I think if people are not really like considering how fucking good he is at doing the most subtle stuff. I like I always say that there's a split in Ryan Gosling's like career choices or whatever that he does either quiet Gosling or loud Gosling. So like the big short and crazy stupid love would be like loud versions of his stuff. Whereas like drive and this (laughs) and place beyond the pines is a lot quieter, but he's just so expressive. Even in this movie, he doesn't smile in this movie yet. He nails every other emotion other than smiling. I think like, I mean the fa- the way that he looks in that scene when um, the joy hologram, the big joy hologram, comes down and says, "You look like a good Joe," is just like devastating, and it's such a simple thing that's just in his eyes, and and it's also like you have to think of the context. It's he just got revealed to him that he's not the miracle, but he has to decide that it's still worth fighting for and he needs to go save Deckard. And there's just so much that is just in his eyes in that scene. It's incredible. He does also have some like good dry jokes in this. He doesn't laugh or anything, but he makes like good jokes throughout. Um, Like particularly like when him and Harrison Ford like fight or whatever, he's like, like, please don't fucking get up, man. And then he's just like, he's like, you know what? I'll take, I'll take the drink. Um, Yeah. He's just great. I, I fucking love him. I think his chemistry with Ana de Armas is incredible. Like, give us more movies between them. 100%. They're, please. Like, please. Every what movie. the fuck's going oh my on? God. <laughs> yeah. They're also just so goddamn so pretty. Attractive. I need that. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I, I want to say this. 
I've actually been a very – I'm not a Harrison Ford fan. I've never been a Harrison Ford fan. I think he's like – I think Han Solo is really cool, and I think that Indiana Jones is really cool, but I've never been like, oh, Harrison Ford's one of the best actors of all time. Never thought that. I think Harrison Ford is really going for it in this movie, yeah. weirdly. I think he's Weird. really powerful in the scene <laughs> where he's like, I know – I know what's real. Like when they're presenting him with uh, Sean Young, like with Rachel, like I just think he's very believable in that scene. And he like does a lot of emotions that I haven't seen him do before. Um, one person, I, there are two people going, doing very, very weird things. And one of them really works for me. And one of them really doesn't work for me. And you, you guys know who I'm going to talk about second. But the first one is, the Dutch actress that plays Love, I love everything she's she's doing. It's a really fucking weird role. She's very fucking creepy. The way she like <laughs> cries in it is great. The way that she's like when she walks in, she's like bad dog, and then like doing like when she's like I'm the best one. Like she's like so fucking good and terrifying. She is, yeah, she's yep. terrifying. I don't even know who the, so I've never seen her in other things. Yeah. I think she's been in like a couple other things. She's just in, like uh, she's in that really bad show C. Oh yeah, yeah. I ain't never seen Big time roll that in that movie. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to watch that show. Uh, well, if you I like will, her, but, you have to now. You've but here's the person that fucking sucks, who's making choices. Doesn't fuck he always? Jared Leto. Always fuck, fuck Jared, Jared Leto. Leto. Uh, why, why was he, first of all, why was he casted in this role? Do you know who like, uh, Denis Villeneuve wanted to play that role? Please tell me it's Gary Oldman, because he would have been perfect in it. No, but he looks like Gary Oldman. Who? Uh, David Bowie. Yes! Yes, a hundred and million times, yes. David Bowie is so good as uh, Nikola Tesla in Christopher yeah. Nolan's uh, The Prestige. <laughs> Here's, Jared Leto is just like, why, first of all, why is he that young? Like, why did you have to have that character? I, I don't like the way he talks in it. It's so fucking weird. To me, uh, I, I have the, the, that guy that I mentioned in our last episode, uh, Demi Adejuibe, who does like reviews on Letterboxd, said... No greater example of the monkey's paw than and Jared Leto rolling on the credits of this bad boy. You know, he shot his two scenes on his own, just set up a Sony Handycam in his pool room and improvised. Emailed two WMB files to <laughs> Villeneuve like, let me know if this works. Script wasn't even written yet. That guy's twisted. Anyways, <laughs> I gave it a six out of seven. <laughs> I fuck Jared Leto, though. Dude, he's a psychopath. Yeah. I hate him. Uh, I hate him so much. What did you he give almost it? Tanked. I gave him a six out of seven. He almost, like, personally brings this movie down for me. <laughs> the thing is, he's not, like, bad at acting. He's just choosing the wrong things He's just all trying the time. so fucking hard. No, he's just hard. trying so yeah, fucking he... hard. Stop fucking trying so goddamn hard. Stop yeah. making such try-hard choices, you fucking weirdo. No one cares about you, Jared Leto. No one cares about you. <laughs> no one. Yeah, honest, honestly, except for a, a million people care about him. Come on he the literally podcast, has a cold. Jared. Yeah. People if you love Jared Leto, like, a lot, and you, like, cult love him, show him this episode. <laughs> yeah. Make him listen. We'll fuck him up. Because he just is so... It's just so annoying every time he's on screen, and you're like... 
Yeah. Got it. You're bad. Nothing grinds my gears more than watching Jared Leto think he's dope as fuck because he's just the lamest person on planet Earth. I can't. It's just oh, way cooler if he's he like a like normal bad guy. Like Tyrell in the first one. Good bad guy. Great Solid bad. bad guy. Forgot to mention that. Yeah. He's just a bad guy. He's you know he's a bad, bad guy because his hair looks like a bad guy. And he's, he's uh, the head of a corporation. Bad guy. He's a bad guy. <laughs> We get it. You don't have to act like you're the worst guy that's ever been uh, like on Earth. Like we get it, dude. You're bad. Your hair's you slicked back. You look like <laughs> you you gotta live for New Year's Eve. <laughs> that scene where he kisses the replicant. I feel like Jared Leto uh, chose to do that. I feel like that was all Jared Leto. Oh, chose. definitely. Oh, def. I had to watch that scene like a, like five times to understand what the hell was happening in it. I get it now, uh, but it took me a really long time. Also, the, it's like if you look it up online, it's like a, a, many people have asked that question on Cora. What's happening in that scene? He basically <laughs> is saying he's God, and his sole quest yes. right now is to find the way that Tyrell was able to have a replicant reproduce. Because if he can have yes. – um, that is true power or whatever. And if he can reproduce, he can like conquer all of the galaxies or whatever off world. And he okay. is, he is dissatisfied with this replicant because it can't reproduce. And so he slices it open so he could see. And uterus. also he's putting, yeah, at it's uterus. And he's also putting fear into love yes. because okay. he's, yeah, he's okay. yeah. Cause the eyes are watching her too. But, right. like, not very clear. But, and also, you're just, like, so distracted at how annoying he is. As much as I hate the kissing thing, Love copies it later, and it's pretty cool and disturbing. Yeah. She does. Uh, I also gave it a six. I think Ryan Gosling is the greatest thing that's ever happened to the world of uh, theater and acting. I love like, that. Like, the Armas is wonderful. Uh, I, we didn't mention Robin Wright, who's really good in this movie. Yeah, she is. Uh, one of the better roles I've seen her in uh, since Claire. Underwood. She's basically Claire in this. Basically. But she's like more like hard nosed yeah. than than Claire Underwood. She's less like uh bottled up. Um What happens and, if uh, I finish that? <laughs> when she says like, that to him. I don't fucking know. I just finish it, dude. He's like, I'm not gonna you fuck you. Probably madam. get drunk. I don't know, man. Uh yeah, and, and Jared Leto can eat shit. <laughs> That's my review. Thank you. Like, I wish that the end of where it says, and Jared Leto, it just said, can eat shit. Yeah, I, I 110% agree. What Ryan about Gosling, you, Harrison Ford, Anna Darmus, and Jared Leto can eat shit. No. Um, <laughs> uh, I, do, I went with a six. I think the acting in this movie is incredible, and I think the writing that they provide the characters with just enhances the film so much, and it's what's lacking in the original. Um. I mean, I don't need to speak too much more because I think we talked about everybody a lot. The only thing I will say that we haven't talked about is the the child, the girl that makes memories for replicants. Um, yeah. Her mm, scene great. with Ryan, to me, might be the best scene in the whole movie. I love their whole yeah. interaction. She is a powerhouse of an actress, and she can carry a scene so fucking well. Yes. And... Just the interaction, talking about memories, the way she talks about them, when she connects with him to see his memory and just tears are pouring down both their faces. Like, it is such a powerful moment in the movie. 
And yeah, I think actually it is my favorite scene in the whole movie. So she she's just the best part for me. <laughs> and to know that she has to essentially hide that from him. Yeah. She can't even tell him that That's it's but her. and you and when yeah. the and second you could see it. And w- the second you realize it, you look back and you think about how her face looked because her face is just truly devastated. <sighs> devastated. Yeah. It- it's really like powerful directing. I mean, that's what we should talk about an actor yeah. because the first time you see it, it's just she just feels so many emotions and you understand that she's crying because this was a real thing and she just thinks like certain things are very beautiful like for memories. But then later Denis Villeneuve re-shows that scene yeah. when it clicks in Ryan Gosling's head that he wasn't the miracle and she was and to re- to show the same scene but to understand a different context in that scene is like really brilliant directing totally. and editing and actually is like the best use of that instead of just slapping the audience in the face it's like no let me give you a different perspective on yeah. on how they were acting in this scene so i agree i think it's i mean it's arguably the most important scene in the movie um so i think yeah. it is for sure yeah all right well let's finish it off let's talk about the lasting legacies of these films uh, we'll do Blade Runner 2049 first because I actually think this is a little more complicated. Uh, this was a huge box office bomb. Like, huge. They, they sunk a lot of money into this. I remember going to see it and like hearing that people didn't like it and or people weren't seeing it. And I was like, yeah, I guess I get it. It's like really long. And some people might have walked out and been like, oh, that was really long and like boring. But honestly, fuck all those people. I, I think the I was reading a review that was basically like, why did this movie bomb? And it's just so dark. And a lot of people have a lot of trouble with that. I think it's long and dark. So it's like it was really tough for people to convince others to go and see it. And I do. I know some people that can't watch like traumatic movies and can't watch like really, really sad movies. They just they don't want to feel that bad. And I do think a lot of this movie makes you feel pretty awful. But Maybe I'm a fucking replicant because I don't. I could. I could. Wa- I watch. I personally like choose to watch Same. a lot of really dark and depressing shit. Like I watch like deeply fucked up things because I don't know. Those are the best movies. Um, also, just like I, it, it feels. Yeah. It's a very human emotion to want to feel those types of feelings, right? And to like yeah. try to understand them, which is what movies like this do, or make us feel not alone for having those emotions. So I I think it's fair to want to explore them and and that's what these movies are doing. That's straight up art, yo. That's what True art that. is supposed to do. It's supposed to elicit yeah. emotions. And like I know I like I my mom was talking to me about this yesterday after we watched it. She's like, I don't like watching this because it makes me like so depressed. I was like, that's what fucking movies do. They <laughs> elicit emotions. Like if you're upset about a movie, you can't say the movie is bad afterwards. You could say you just it didn't. You don't want to rewatch it. <laughs> you know, like no one should rewatch Requiem for a Dream, but it's still a really <laughs> good movie despite Jared Leto. Um, God damn it! I, there are some parts of this though. Even though it was a box office bomb. It's really just going to live on. It's almost become as big of a cult classic as the original. There are like super fans of this as there were with the original. And I am definitely one of those. Uh, Roger, this will be remembered for Roger. Yeah, I fucking love it. Um, (laughs) This will be remembered for Roger Deakins finally winning his Oscar. Um, That was a huge thing. I'm pretty upset that it just got snubbed across the board for Oscars that I just will never get over that because I just think. Critics really adored this movie too. I just don't think that they 
They didn't fucking get it, yo. Um, I don't know. It's it's really long, but it's something that I'm willing to rewatch because it's there's so much to to it that I love. And I rewatch certain scenes on YouTube all the time, like the baseline test, which is like one of the coolest sci-fi scenes Sells. ever. Um, so I'm giving it a five out of seven because I'm trying to be as objective as possible because I don't know what its legacy is going to be, but it does seem like it's getting better over time. So slightly above average. I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, I'm, I'm also going to do a five. I don't, okay. I just don't think it had the reception it needed to give it to give it a six, but I think there are always going to be film buffs and cinephiles that will dissect and talk about this movie for years and years to come. And again, I think the visuals in this film are going to be what people aspire to and try to emulate in future films, especially in sci-fi films. So I think in that sense, it will always be a part of the conversation. I just don't think it had enough of an importance at the time that it came out to give it higher than that. But I do think when people reference Blade Runner, even those who never saw it, they do reference this one though. So I do, it it has like a cultural relevance despite its lack of Mm -hmm. viewership, Yeah, (laughs) which is weird, but it's just fact. It's so well loved by like, movie accounts on instagram and youtube uh mostly because of the visuals i will say also like i i i'm my expectations for dune are so unbelievably high high. like two literally when i watched the first trailer i said to uh my friends like including you guys i was like i do not know how i am supposed to believe that this isn't going to be the best movie of all time like True that. and it and it could potentially be a better sci-fi movie than this it certainly comes from the most famous sci-fi material which is apparently better so i we'll see but yeah that that's like kind of hurts this a little bit too because like dune and dune 2 may end up being more important to me Denis, for Denis's career nick you had just seen this for the first time but how do you think the legacy will be for you I mean, I agree with what you guys just said. I think that knocking it too much for because it's too much of a movie buffs movie isn't fair. Like, it's well-received and well-liked. Uh, I gave it a five, which means we agreed in every category except for one, but I'll get to that in a second Whoa. for this movie. Um, I just, I, you know, I know that it didn't make what it was supposed to at box offices, but I don't think that that's the only metric for legacy like you guys said it's got this you know cult following and the fact that it is like in my mind a pretty perfect version of what a sequel should be yes uh is also like a huge point to me you know i don't want to knock it you know too much just because there are people that just don't like it because it's too long and dark and and somewhat moody and boring at times um yeah. I'm going to bump my originality score up to a six, by the way. Oh, so now it's going to be all together. Yeah. Because the, the only score. reason I was disagreeing is because I didn't really get why Anadarmus's character was in it. But now starting to think like this person who was replicant, who was created by people, finding companionship in this robot created by people is really interesting. I was saying it adds another layer to that idea. There's there's yeah, fucking like three the, layers. It's, it's like wild. the umami on top of the the rest yeah. of the flavors, you know. And it, it really makes it better. Umami. That's why they say that. Um, yeah. Well, all right. Let's finish off with <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> all 
All right, let's uh, let's finish with uh, the original Blade Runner. Um, it's like, yeah, technically speaking, we should give it a seven because it's like one of the most famous sci-fi movies ever, and we wouldn't six. have Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah, okay, go ahead. <laughs> no explanation though. Um, I have a reason. I'm gonna give yeah. I'm gonna give it a six because <clears throat> yes to everything that you're saying. I think it was incredibly innovative at the time. You know, it exceeded its box office. Like, it got its money back. You know, people really, like, love this movie and talk about it as one of, you know, the greatest sci-fi movies of all time, blah, blah, blah. I don't think people now are going back and watching this movie. Like, I don't think young people now are like, I need to see Blade Runner, the original. And I I think over time, it's just going to be for, like, generations that have already happened. Like, I think they might rewatch it, but I don't think it's going to, like, continue to grow as a classic. Like, I think only All those generations will be lost, like, tears and rain. (laughs) Yeah, I just can't see it. I can't see, like, Gen Z sitting down and watching this movie and caring. (laughs) I mean, no no way. People's attention spans have gone (laughs) way down with the inventions of phones, which fucking Blade Runner didn't even discuss. Yeah. Uh... Or as prescient as it was. They do talk about... Uh, there is that scene where he talks to the thing and it does stuff for him. Yeah. Dude, that, I, I will say, out of everything that aged poorly tech, technology-wise, I actually really love the way that it does that. The, the yeah. photograph and then makes a photograph of that photograph based on that. I mean, you could do that very easily on computers now without having to tell the screen. But it's so cool the way it's done. <laughs> and just it. like they didn't even think that touch screens were like a thing then. Yeah. Um, that we uh, would just be like, yeah. yeah, we'll just tell it what to do painstakingly. <laughs> we should definitely just take a few minutes to address the gross sex scene that happens in this movie. Yeah. That ages incredibly poorly. I mean, at a certain just, point, it really yeah. just feels like she's literally like, fine, I guess. <laughs> because it's just... Yeah, she has to get... Dude, thank you. Like, it just is she so just uncomfortable. Gives in. It's so uncomfortable. She doesn't want it. He's forcing it on her. He doesn't seem to give a shit that she doesn't want it. Or he's assuming, as men do, that she's acting like she doesn't want it. Even though she's making it very clear that she doesn't want it. Uh, not a good look, yo. Not a good... I don't like it. It made me feel very uncomfortable. So that pulled me out of the movie intensely. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it's like he gives that... Sacri- like, basically, it's like, oh, but it's made up for because he sacrifices his whole life and, like, career to, like, save her because he thinks that she's worth saving. But yeah. I'm like, yeah, but, like, you can't, like, rape someone and then, like, buy them a car... And then everything is okay. And the, and the crazy thing, too, is, like, there are definitely concepts around, like, sexual scenes where a girl kind of, like, like, there, it genuinely seems like she does not want this. Like, there, there's not even, like, a moment where she's just like, oh, do I, should I do this? And then she, like, leans into it. That's not even how this scene goes. Like, she straight up does not want this. Or at least they don't give a moment where it's like she finally leans into it. He just like does whatever he wants. It's such an uncomfortable scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ain't, you ain't going to hear any argument on this <laughs> podcast about that. Yep. It's not. 
Nick, why don't you go uh, and then I'll The most uncomfortable in a series of mostly uncomfortable scenes for me to watch. (laughs) What's Uh, the legacy, you think? Well, I kind of follow that by saying it's a seven. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Thanks, Layla. (laughs) Despite that scene, I think that it's a seven in legacy because it's Blade Runner. Like, everyone knows, even if you haven't seen Blade Runner, you know what Blade Runner is. You've heard the the word, you, you know, there's there's scenes in it, Ben, I was re-watching where I was like, oh yeah, so many scenes, there's so many, you know, sci-fi movies now pay homage to this particular scene, even though I don't like it in this movie. It, it's, it's just like one of the quintessential artificial intelligence, you know, sci-fi movies. If sure. not the quintessential sci-fi artificial intelligence movie okay ultimately this is my big thing with this and i argue about it all the time because you're you're definitely right i mean like obviously we got so much from this movie it is quintessential for that but personally this has always felt like and i and i'm not saying that it's a bad movie i i have always felt like this is the most overrated movie that's ever been made and I'm like, that is so hyperbolic, but I actually have said this repeatedly, and I think this, because I just, I think that there are great concepts in it, as we talked about, and I think a lot of movies pay homage to this, and they they love, they, that this movie was so important for that, but like, it always feels like people are desperately clinging on to the defense of this movie, even if those people are not even entertained by it. And I think that movies have to be entertaining to a certain degree. And I and I do find certain parts of this entertaining, but overall it's like a pain to get through for me. And and, and it sounded like for you guys as well. And I just like look, every everything is like derivative of something else and we needed certain things to come, you know, before so that we could get to like greatness in art. But like move on. Movies have gotten better. That's okay. You could still respect the movies beforehand that came out before without saying that they're necessarily fucking better than like Inception. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not saying I'm not going to even argue between the two because I think Inception's probably dumber in certain aspects, but like I really do think that a lot of movies with the bare, like with the exception of like 2001 a space odyssey and like citizen kane like i think a lot of movies have got just so much better and we could just respect the ones that came before and move on and uh i like the sequel more and that's just gotta mean something uh i also think that like in the sense of it's like the the like just the legacy itself when people say blade runner i think at a certain point people are just going to start thinking about the 2049 when people bring it up as opposed to thinking that, that is a really good point yeah. yeah and they may also be like someone mentions blade runner and there might be someone like me that comes fucking screaming from the other side of the party and goes oh well okay i got a problem with it and like it's <laughs> <laughs> a good impression of gabe gabe <laughs> i i know me um i know what's real yeah i don't know i'm gonna give it a six out of seven i just i i get it i think it's like it should be a seven out of seven i'm okay with people saying that including you nick i'm okay with you saying that Uh, i'm giving you permission to but i just (laughs) it just is like it's not aging well it's just not 
Sorry. That's it. It's just not. We don't even know what wins. Play the outro music right there. Yeah, okay. Nick, what was the final scores? You better do that in edits, and then you better not edit this part out after you put this part back in. Okay. 90 for BR49, as I've read on this page. And uh, 77 for BR. 90 out of 105 and 77 out of 105. And for anyone who's a huge Blade Runner fan, you could come after us. We still gave it pretty good reviews. Yeah, honestly. Pretty honestly. solid score. Yep, yeah, that's great. Very solid score. It's just not like, that fun of a movie to watch. Do you guys have uh, recommendations based on these movies? Based on these movies? No, but everyone should just go watch the Dune trailer over and over and over and over again. Yeah, there's one. Oh, God. So, that's what I've dude, been doing. That first one is so good. It's what's in the box? Pain. <laughs> uh, man, I'm fucking pumped. Uh, yeah, I, I got a few. Obviously, we've already done Ex Machina, and we would hope that people have yeah. seen it and listened to that episode. If not, go back. It was a really, really fun episode with my friends uh, Clay and Carter. Um, I really recommend, I think this movie is really slept on and there's a lot of people that love it uh, whenever I mention it. Minority Report is a great Spielberg movie with Tom Cruise. Uh, I think it gets into a lot of like similar-ish concepts, but it's more about like, if should we predict, should we stop the future? Like if we know it's going to happen or whatever. Um, also, one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time that is very, very similar to this uh, is the movie Moon. With Sam Rockwell, dude, um, I fucking There's love a, Moon. Definitely a line there, yeah. Yeah, they're they're very similar. I think they're you'd be hard pressed to find like a a movie account somewhere that wasn't obsessed with Moon because Moon is just like a brilliant movie. So um, have you seen Moon, Layla? Yes, dude, okay, so good. good. Um, okay, good. Yeah, that's it. Nick, you got any other ones? Not related to this, but we just finished White Lotus, and it's just so fun. It's oh, I gotta watch so it. I've been funny. I've been really wanting to watch it, so um, I'm excited. Also, the show Dave. I mean, it has nothing to do with this at all, but the show <laughs> Dave <laughs> ended up None being just so too. fucking good. Um, Literally all right. nothing to do with uh, it. Next week, I think we are doing The Big Lebowski versus The Nice Guys. A a recommendation from Joe Despain. Uh, I think I said your last name right. If I didn't, so sorry, Joe. Uh, but thank you for the recommendation. I fuck Big Lebowski is one of my favorite comedies ever, and we get to do Ryan Gosling two weeks in a row. Let's fucking yes. go! You can watch the Big Lebowski Talk about eye candy. on such eye candy. <laughs> oh, are you talking about Russell Crowe, Fat Russell Crowe? Crow, <laughs> uh, yeah, you can watch the Big Lebowski on Netflix right now, and you can watch uh, the Nice Guys, I believe, on Hulu or HBO Max. Uh, just go look those up. Both very very fun movies. Um, Go follow us on Instagram. Look us up, Facing Off Pod, uh, Instagram.com slash Facing Off Pod. Go follow us on Twitter. Just look up Facing Off Podcast. Um, do you guys got a send off? Oh! <laughs> Bad dog. <laughs> wow, I didn't realize that was going to be perfect. With that. Wow, look at that.